Welcome, quest for you, fans. Have you sometimes wondered what our world would look like without violence, without all the shootings, and without the trauma caused by that violence, which often results only in more violence? A vicious cycle. I live in a city with a long history of crime. In the 80s, Oakland was amongst the most violent cities of this country. This has changed, but crime and gun violence continue to be a problem in our country. A problem I thought needs to be solved by the people in charge, our police, our government, those with money and power. But then I spoke to Kathy DeForest, and I realized that we don't need to rely on others to solve the issues that plague our communities. We can do something about them. We all have skills knowledge and resources that can make an impact and bring about positive change. And when we look for others with a similar goal and reach out to them to collaborate, that impact grows exponentially. So I invite you today to join me in a fascinating conversation with someone who started with a dream, turned it into an idea, spread the seeds of the idea, and then helped it grow, seedling by seedling. Kathy DeForest is the founder and executive director of Vision Quilt, a volunteer grassroots organization that aims to empower communities to create their own solutions to gun violence through the power of art and inclusive dialogue. Vision Quilt helps to organize workshops and exhibitions throughout the country, encouraging that dialogue and focusing on solutions to prevent gun violence. As you listen, I want to encourage you to pay attention to the following words, connection, partnership, and creativity. Kathy shows us the impact we can make if we focus on those three words more often. She connected with a desire to make a difference that came from within herself. She also connected her past experience and skills with that dream and carried it forward. She then partnered and still continues to partner with others to spread the word and to make a difference in our communities. And she constantly looks for creative ways to grow her vision and help all of us wake up. Allow yourself today to wake up with this interview, with this engaging conversation that I had with Kathy, so that you can also find a way to make an impact. And this is what I want to achieve with this podcast. Organizations like Vision Quilt are dependent on people like us to help, and Kathy shares many ways we can do that in this interview. I so enjoyed meeting her beautiful soul and learning about this peaceful and healing vision of hers, and I hope you enjoy it as well. You can check out their work on visionquilt.org, and most importantly, you can help spread the word. This is how I am meeting wonderful people like Kathy through connection and word of mouth and others spreading the word. And if you do the same, we can get messages like hers out to a wider audience, people that really need to hear it. So please enjoy this interview. Look for connection, partnership, creativity, and then allow yourself to step up and spread the word, take action, and do something different today than you did yesterday. And you'll notice how roots will begin to take place, similar to how Kathy talks about in this interview with her organization. Enjoy 
and much love from me to you. Kathy, thank you so much for joining this podcast interview. I am super excited we were able to connect after some of the technical issues here, but I really look forward to hearing more of your story and the amazing work that you're doing. And to start out, you are the founder and executive director of Vision Quilt. Tell us a little bit about what Vision Quilt is. So Vision Quilt is a nonpartisan nonprofit. Our mission is to empower communities to create solutions to gun violence through the power of art and inclusive dialogue. That's a big mission. <laughs> and uh, we've done this for the last five years. We started out in Southern Oregon, but we quickly got connections in Chicago and then in the Bay Area. So that's where we've concentrated a lot of our work. But it happened because I woke up from a dream. I had a dream and I thought about the AIDS quilt and I thought, wow, that changed our country from fear to connection. And that's what we need related to gun violence. So that was one piece of it. And the second piece was as a mother, I just couldn't stand one more kid being murdered by gun violence either through mass shootings or through violence in, in the neighborhood. And I just thought, this is solvable. And I still believe that this is totally solvable. So that was the rationale behind starting this. I never thought I'd have a nonprofit. Actually, I gathered nine women together. It happened to be all women. And we just brainstormed this idea and then came up with the idea of having panels that are made out of fabric so that they would last a long time in the, um, the, with the dimensions of 18 by 24 inches. So we, we wear them in vigils and in marches, in protests, but we also have hung them in various places, including city centers and town halls. Mm -hmm. The whole point is to create dialogue, to get people who have different opinions to come together and look at these stories of kind of particularly underserved communities and, and what they need related to prevention. How do you try to get the attention and how is change generated through that? So we're based on partnerships and you've already interviewed the Attitudinal Healing Connection, which is one of our wonderful partners in Oakland. But we've, we've met with a lot of grassroots leaders, um, particularly from the black and brown community, the underserved communities. And so our ultimate goal is to have community conversations where people look at what young and old have said about gun violence through their art to create dialogue, but then to move into, okay, what do we do about it? How can we create change at the local level? But they've also been used on the, on the national level. It's about vision, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's about action. And it's really community-based, you know, what, What is the community, you know, we're part of the vehicle to bring those voices forward, but what are the community leaders? What do the young people need and want to do to create change? And how does the work look like within the community? How, where do you go? Do you go to schools or how does that work? Well, in the beginning, we went wherever the breadcrumbs were, okay? Uh -huh. <laughs> so, so in the case of Chicago, which happened in our first year, uh, one of the volunteer teams in Oakland 
created a workshop, a panel making workshop, kind of like the old quilting circle, right? And one of the people who attended was an Iraqi vet woman with her MFA. <laughs> and she said to me, why don't you contact the National Veterans Museum in Chicago? I think they'd be very interested in your project. So in one phone conversation, this woman on the other end of the phone, who also had her Master of Fine Arts, took the project and said, can I apply for funding? I said, absolutely, go for it. So she applied for funding at the Chicago Public Library. And at the end of that summer, there were 60 panels made by students um, all over Chicago. And then she had a, uh, an exhibition at this Veterans Museum, the National Veterans Muse Arts Museum. And I flew out for that. That was the first time I met her. And that led to us talking to a children's hospital who talked at one point about being our regional sponsor. So, I mean, that's literally a breadcrumb story. Okay. That's good. That's how, it, that's how big things and start. <laughs> and, and there's another story like this, which is also grassroots. Um, there was a hospice physician here in Southern Oregon who knew about a charter school in East Oakland by the Oakland airport. It, the name of this school is Lighthouse Community Charter School. And they were just starting um, an idea about an expedition. So this is a little longer story, but it's a perfect answer to mm -hmm. your question. One of their students had been shot and killed and their, um, their school was set up to be expeditionary learning, which means they do a deep dive into subjects that are not only academic, but also community-based. So again, in one conversation, I'm on the phone with six or eight teachers um, during the summer of, I think it was 2016, and they said yes <laughs> at the end of that conversation. And so we started working, th these teachers created a, a process where for three months, the students in seventh grade, so these are 12 and 13 year old students, study gun violence in their math and humanities classes. So they read, they write op-eds, they, they do a deep dive into various parts of the Second Amendment. They talk about pro and against, and you know they do this beautiful search. And then they study national statistics in their math classes. Then they go to the BART stations and they interview people. And then we come in during that three months and work with the kids um, in small groups making these vision quote panels. But at the end of that, I urged them and they wanted to create an exhibition. So they, they create, they go to the Oakland Museum, they learn a little bit about curating, and then these kids plan an exhibition and every year it's different. And they make these huge you know, panels with where they put their statistics and their other learnings, as well as the vision quote panels. And the community comes out. One night, there were 450 people who came in a three-hour span while the Warriors were playing a, a, a national playoff game. Wow. <laughs> That's a big so deal. <laughs> we thought, this is extraordinary. But, and the kids curate. So they are, they are the docents in, you know, they greet people at the door. They take them around. People ask them questions. It's very interactive. And the blessing to all of that is that we wrote a, a grant to create not only that again, um, but a digital toolkit that will be put together 
um, so that other middle schools and high schools might want to create this. And it was funded by the John Legend Foundation and the National Writing Project. Mm. One of 10 in the whole country and the only one in California. So we're, and it was an innovation grant. So we're, we're proud of that because it, it's symbolic that this is not being done overall. And, and it's a great thing to do in a middle school and, or even high school. So the name of that is um, Addressing Gun Violence, Creating Visionaries, Storytellers, and Community Activists. When you look at what has happened recently, you know, that's, that's what we need, right? Visionaries, storytellers, and community activists. Yeah, so, totally. This is amazing. It's a, it's a wonderful story. So this is every year the school does that. Yes, we've done it for four years, but now what has happened with COVID, we were right in the middle of doing this grant and doing the program for the fourth time. And of course the school needed to close. Mm -hmm. um, so the legacy of this is this digital toolkit that can happen. You know, it will have video links and it will have this curriculum. So from the beginning, we've wanted, whatever we do, we, we give it away. I mean, I've, I've volunteered my time now for five years and I'll, we have a big volunteer base. But the exciting thing is to, to partner with other organizations. And that's why we're excited to partner with the Attitudinal Healing Connection mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, they are kind of our anchor organization in that area. Yeah, I was impressed when uh, I talked to Mana about how closely she works with other organizations like yours. And I think that's where the power lies, right? In this that's right. connection and um, collaboration with organizations that have similar goals at the end we all want change positive change right it's through those collaborative efforts that true change can can really happen yeah yeah i agree yeah and and that you know i have another part of the story which mm -hmm. is i was asked to be um part of the oakland violence prevention coalition which helped to start the department of violence prevention and the chief it reports on the same level as the chief of police. So this is, wow. this is huge for the country. It, it's, I think one, for, for sure, one of the first um, departments of violence prevention. So we've been intimately involved in that. And, um, and it's an honor, you know, it's an honor, even though I don't live in Oakland, but I was down there at least once a month, but now we're doing it through zoom and part of them, uh, <laughs> there's an offshoot during COVID called the Oakland Frontline Healers, and they are addressing not only youth and education, but homelessness and food scarcity related to vulnerable communities, which of course is the African-American and the Latino communities in, in Alameda County. I'm on Zoom calls with them and bringing youth voices to that. So it, you know, it just grows in, in collaborative efforts and that's how we create change. I think it takes a special person to do something like that. I mean, so much time and commitment goes into that. Other than the dream that you had, what else prompted you to, to start this, to do this kind of work? I think, you know, the older you get, the more you look back. <laughs> you know, I almost saw myself making full circle. So I started out as an English teacher in the high school. My first job was in a suburban school, but I taught not only the highest achieving kids, but I also taught kids who couldn't read very well. Um, and so that made an impression. And then um, 
I moved to another state and I became an assistant principal at an urban high school at a very young age. <laughs> I taught kids then in the 12th grade who were reading like on a second and third grade level. And my heart just went out to them, you know, so that that made huge impressions. And but I had, you know, education in my bones. So that was part of it. But along the way, I, I was tapped into a, uh, a doctoral program. So my PhD is in organization development. And that really looks at systems and how we can, you know, promote systems to create change. And I was very fortunate to work with diverse um, communities and diverse mentors. So that was another imprint. <laughs> and then I had, I had children, babies late in life. And so I pursued art along with that. It was kind of like the path not chosen, but that's, that's what put me into the art world. And then as my kids got older, I thought, okay, you know, how can I combine all of this to really serve people that, that have great needs? So that's, and I thought, well, gun violence, <laughs> there's a lot of need there. Yeah. Let's combine all. I mean, it wasn't cognitive, you know, it mm -hmm. was, it was a lot intuitive. It came from um, your heart. Seeing, it came from your yeah. heart. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Tell me about the, um, beautiful shirt or sweater that you are wearing <laughs> that okay. lis listeners cannot see so you need to describe it <laughs> i see the i see the country <laughs> right so along the way we knew we had to have a logo and my husband actually said well i help this one company maybe they'll help you so we 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 called it vision quote and that people always say well Are they quilted or are they sewn together? You know, so that's something that was never quite clear. But we use the word vision because we believe that that visionaries have changed the world. And so we try to tap people's imaginations to say what is solvable, what is your vision, that kind of thing. And quilt because we're piecing our country together, <laughs> we're piecing our ideas together. And we don't ever quilt everything together. We we put grommets in the in the panels and we hang them by fish line or thumbtacks or clothesline. You know, where we've done it outside. It, it's however it works. But anyway, so vision quilt is on this dress mm -hmm. and there's a map of the United States and across the map it says together we can prevent gun violence. So my friend secretly took t-shirts from my other volunteers and started to put this dress together based on the t-shirts and she was very upset the day after president trump was elected so she went into her studio and created this dress without my knowledge <laughs> and then surprised me with it and she said You cannot talk to the media in your T-shirt. You have to look, <laughs> you have to wear something else. So she's actually made this and she made another jacket. And it, it is kind of a showstopper. We were um, invited, it was a juried show, a quilt show, and we were invited in. It was called Guns Loaded Conversations. And the debut was at the San Jose Museum for Quilts. And a woman came up and admired my dress. <laughs> she wouldn't have known that I was connected, you know, but she admired my dress. We had a nice conversation. And later she wrote a 
a check for four hundred dollars. So wow. <laughs> it, it worked. It worked. <laughs> but I'm proud to wear it because it it is our theme that together we can prevent gun violence. Mm -hmm. And the, the national part of this, which is so interesting is I used to work, I was a consultant to a hospital in Kansas city in my organization development days. And that was long ago, but that connection led people in Kansas city during this pandemic to find out about vision quo. Mm -hmm. And there's a woman in her eighties we started an organization called Grandparents Against Gun Violence, and they now have been making vision quilt panels while they're sheltered in place. Aww. And they are phenomenal. <laughs> this is actually a so, really good idea right now. People are at home. Kids are at home. I think Amana was telling me they're sending out art kits to people yes, at home, yes. to kids or kids at home. And this is a good idea. And right now, because I think gun violence happens in kind of it happens in our neighborhood i maybe the school shootings are, are more rare they happen i know but i think people experience more of kids especially experience more of this when they're home in the challenging neighborhoods like east oakland or west oakland here and so this yeah. is this would be a great activity for kids to do at home yeah, yeah. And we've had people ages four to 96 who have made vision quilt panels. Wow. But, but Amana invited me into that art kit process. So we created art kits for elementary school and also the most wonderful thing. She connected me to the this woman, Marilyn Washington Harris, and she works with survivors. And we had worked with survivors before, but we we really connected with her and and we... I created an art kit for survivors. So as part of this virtual exhibition that Attitudinal Healing Connection created, there's a, a vision quilt gallery that has uh, panels from West Oakland Middle School students, but also from these families who have lost mm -hmm. loved ones to gun violence. Mm -hmm. So they took photographs of their loved ones and then they decorated these little mini panels and honored their loved ones. So. That was an art kit, you know, that that we didn't expect and hadn't ever done before. But, you know, we've got to be creative and imaginative to serve these populations no matter what. Yeah. Speaking of creative, I from what I've read, you have a very creative background. Um, <laughs> I, I um, yeah, I read about letter printing and um, <laughs> I would love to hear more about the creative Kathy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well, right now she's writing grants and looking for grants, but, <laughs> but before that, when I had babies late in life, in my late 30s, early 40s, I just fell in love with artist books. I don't know if you or your listeners know what an artist book is, but it's it's an original work of art that uses the book as the, the format for expression. So that's kind of the canvas, but it can take many, many forms. And I, I worked a lot with found objects. So one book is called the, the Dream of the Dance and the Dance of the Dream. And the found object in the book is a ballet slipper. And the book is created around photographs that I took of ballet dancers from Florence, Italy. I'm not describing it very well, but it's a very intriguing th thinking of book in the wildest sense of the form. And, and it 
doesn't have to have text, but my, my books always had text. And the, one of the things that was rooted in me was I was connected to 500 artists around the world who made artist books related to the car bombing in Baghdad of the ancient bookseller street. And it was about the love of books and the tragedy that happened um, in Iraq. And um, those books have been shown all over, you know, five continents. But that made me know that artists who don't even know each other could be connected to each other and to do art collectively. So that that was a very exciting part. But I, I started out you know, knowing nothing much about art. It was kind of the love that wasn't pursued. Then I became a printmaker with doing etchings with an etching press. And yes, then I, I pursued letterpress printing, which is beautiful. And, and poetry has been a very important part of me mm-hmm. and my work and, and a vision quilt. And so we printed a lot of poems, letterpress from poet laureate, national poet laureates, as well as local poems. And we've used that in, in vision quilt. Do you yeah. write poetry yourself? I have written a few poems. I wouldn't say that I'm I'm a poet, but um, I try to integrate poetry. It's one of the sources of my joy and yeah. um, nourishment. Yeah. Who are some of the favorite poets that you love to read? Well, you know, William Stafford is is an amazing poet who who lived a lot of his life in Oregon um, mm-hmm. and was pretty much the first U.S. poet laureate. So I. I care about him very much, but yeah. I, I love, um, well, just so many. <laughs> I collect them. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, Robert Pinsky was one that we we, we printed and, and I fell in love with his work. And my son, my son is a poet. He, I, really? I, we've printed his, his, yeah, and he's been part of Vision Quilt. So he started writing when he was about 15 and now he's... 29 and but he's we printed some of his work and he's also worked with vision quote we try to bring like spoken word and rap into community conversations or into our exhibitions whenever we can you know i think poetry gets to the essence of things just like art gets to the essence of things so we try to blend them whenever we can so i don't know if i've answered your question but no, you did. And I, lo- I love i love what you just said the last thing because i've always looked at poetry as kind of art it is art with words and yeah i, I love i love poetry i'm a, i'm from germany so i'm i'm a big uh, hesse fan and a, a rilke fan and uh, yeah those are some of my favorite yeah and poets. rumi rumi is german rumi. but he's he's right there with rilke yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I can I can tell your love of poetry because when you speak on your podcast, they're very they're very poetic. I mean, it's very beautiful to <laughs> I like to, to listen. I like to read and yeah, and I like to read poetry. Yeah, but you're expressive that way as well. Oh, thank you, thank you. If people want to support your work with Vision Quilt, how can they do that? Oh, in many ways. <laughs> Certainly they can donate. We're fueled by donations. Um, and we have a donate button on our website, which is visionquilt.org. They can help by volunteering. You know, if they if they want to start, well, first of all, they can make a panel if they want to. You know, we have instructions on our website. And we love that. Someone uh, from Milwaukee just made a panel with her 13 year old daughter and is sending it to us. They don't have to send it to us. We just ask for a photograph back 
But if there are 12 or more panels in a community, we invite them to stay in that community. We don't need to have them. We just like to document a photograph of them. But they can then use them in their, you know, when they talk with legislators, when they gather people together, when they, um, this, the one in Kansas City, they, they pass out um, gun locks. They bring people together and they're going to, there's churches have done panels and, and synagogues, places of worship have, you know, we've been invited into. But so they can make a panel, they can donate, and, and they can volunteer in lots of different ways. I mean, there's a lot of administrative part of this. So one woman just said, I'll type things up for you. I'll collate your evaluations after a workshop with a group of students, you know, and she did it long distance. So there's, I mean, there's many ways they, mm-hmm. they can help. Some people donate material. Um, some people have donated art materials. It's kind of what calls to you, as you know, people need to feel what their gift is and how they want to serve. They can make connections. That's, that's a big way they can help is to make connections to people in their community who might be interested in doing this. This may be a silly question, but I imagine that this work has some kind of a healing effect too for people that have been victims of gun violence in some way that expressing themselves creatively and maybe I'm being subjective but every time I express myself creatively it has some kind of healing effect on me even if I just find some peace but I imagine that it helps to express whatever this person has been through through this vision quilt which is part one of my question and the second part is how could we reach more people that are in these difficult neighborhoods that that don't know about you how will we do that right well your podcast is one way so thank you for that (laughs) um you know people have said to me oh you should be on the today show or you know Mm -hmm. oprah needs to know about you i mean it's like the, the thing is, this is good news about gun violence. There is so little good news, you mm-hmm. know, and these these panels are so phenomenal. They, they are so unique. Like one of the Native American women who made a panel made it of, of a woman, but she put a medicine wheel on her chest and she thought it was like a target. She said, we have been targeted through not just genocide, but our women have been murdered and kidnapped. But she made it into a healing medicine wheel. So every panel that's made has an artist statement. And people, you know, have this powerful image. But when they read her story, then they think, oh, my gosh, what are we doing to the Native American communities? You know, not just with COVID, but with with gun violence. So that's a very powerful healing thing. And so she felt in that experience of making art, like what you just said, that she had almost transformed a terrible thing that happens to her community mm. into something positive. And, and the fact that it was going to be on our website, we have a, a virtual quilt. So we put, you know, we have pages and pages and pages of panels that people have made. And they're super but, creative. I saw them on, on the videos that you sent me, which I will link to the videos in the show notes. But like wow <laughs> like almost yeah. intimidating kind of creative this is some art that people come up with it's amazing well and it comes from that unconscious place you know it yeah. and it comes from the heart i mean we do a lot in our in our workshops and in our curriculum which 
our big thing is to train other people to do this work. So we've worked with Catholic Charities. We've worked with Youth Alive in the Bay Area, you know, empowering those people who who work with those communities on a regular basis to do this work themselves because they are the credible messengers. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we're setting people up to do more of it. I mean, Kansas city did it remotely, you know, they just, right. they did it without any of us. It, it is powerful. And you asked about healing. There was one woman who lost her only son, her only child mm-hmm. um, as an adult in the mission district of San Francisco. And I don't even know how she heard about us, but again, it was early on in our work and she came to the workshop. And when I found out her story, I asked her if we could dedicate the workshop to her son. She said, yes. So I've, I printed out his photograph with her permission, framed it and put it in front of all of us who were gathered to make panels and honored him and the family. And then she proceeded to make a panel and she told me that it was the most healing thing that she had done in the first year since her son's death. Mm. And I just thought, wow, that helped me know that we were in the right territory, you know, that if it helped her and, and she's been a great spokesperson for us and with us that it could help others. So, so we've worked with survivors and we will, work with more and and invite other survivors to take this on to their Mm -hmm. own organization. We've also worked with incarcerated youth, both in Chicago and in in the East Bay. And that's been fascinating because these kids have been through so much. One of the panels says, um, end the suffering on both sides of the trigger. So we try to be as trauma-informed as we can, and we try to help everyone else be as trauma-informed. I mean, that's my vision for the future is that we will create a trauma-informed society. That is who we need to become as a country. If we, if we understood that, we would have understood genocide and slavery. You know, we would be a different country. So we, we ask people to look at the roots of gun violence, you know, with, whether it's racism or poverty or whatever. So we choose education. That's the way I think we can all wake up and do our own homework, which I'm, I'm continuing to learn, you know, about my unconscious racism. I've had privilege. I've been able to donate five years of my time because of white privilege, really. Right. Even though my, my family was not at all wealthy, but I... I had doors open, many doors open for me. So anyhow, that's, I don't know if I've answered your question. No, but. you even answered my second question, which was my, which was, I wanted to ask you about the future. You already answered that, what you see for Vision Quilt for the future. We love your idea about how can we get this out more. If any of your listeners or if you have ideas, you know, that's, we would, we welcome them because we don't have the leverage we need, you know, it's so, through um, connections. Yeah, one of my, in answer to your question about the future, I'm very interested in getting teens to talk to each other about their activism. You know, we're going to do that digital toolkit related to the Lighthouse Charter School. You know, Amana has done things around superhero, and I've also been wanting to highlight more visionaries so mm-hmm. that kids can see, oh, I could be that too, you know? So there's ways that we can 
promote. And, you know, I work with some teens in East Oakland. She works with teens in West Oakland. And we were going to bring some of those teens together to kind of inspire each other. But COVID <laughs> put us <laughs> in a different situation. But it can also happen remotely. So I want to do some both fundraising and look for grants that can connect teens because this is a whole nother generation right now in terms of the protests and the call for racial justice. And, and I think it's, it's a moment to really promote and, and mm. connect in whatever way we can. These kids have a lot to say, and that's okay. kind of been the whole thrust of vision quote from the beginning. Originally we, we kind of thought, well, people will talk about solutions like vote for gun sense, you know, candidates or, you know, know your neighbor or whatever, but a lot of it is a catharsis, you know, of what the gunfire they hear at night or the loss of an uncle or whatever. So they, that is their vision. And so that's why, you know, to capture it, we always say the panels are permanent. They're not going away. You know, there are several hundred in several different cities and we, we ask people to exhibit them because mm -hmm. that's how dialogue and change can happen right you know like you're a you're the gatherer of stories you know yeah. and, and and that's what each panel is really there's a story behind mm -hmm. each panel that can help wake us up literally wake yeah. us up yeah to what's needed so this is a lot of work that requires you to give from you from your heart where do you find hope and strength for yourself And especially mm -hmm. right now during this difficult time, is there anything that is a, a source of strength for you? I'm an empathetic person. So when I hear of a shooting, it really gets to me. But I do feel that I get strength from the people I work with, particularly the young people. Mm -hmm. That helps me keep going. And just being welcomed into the African-American and Latino communities, that's That's just a gift. I mean, I feel greatly honored to be trusted with their feelings and their thoughts and their organization. So that makes me feel joyous, really. And when I see their resiliency, I mean, I just, you know, if my son or daughter were shot, I, I, I don't know that I could go on. But I, I see these, these women who, like Marilyn Washington Harris, that Amana and I have worked with, she's she's extraordinary you know she spent the last 20 years helping other families who've gone through the same situation that's one thing and then i get into my garden <laughs> i have a german heritage um so all all four of my grandparents were born in germany <laughs> janine so we have something connected there and and that's one of the ways that my father was able to send me to college We called it a garden, but it was like a small farm, and we canned all summer long, and that's how he saved money to put uh, three daughters into into college. When I get back in the dirt, I feel like I'm <laughs> honoring what I learned from my mm -hmm. parents and my grandparents, and um, just to see things grow. And then beauty, beauty is the thing that I think is my. I don't know, that's my invitation into joy, um, whether it's flowers or something that is crafted in a beautiful way. And the whole Native American idea of walking in beauty. I was with a group of women for 20 years in what we called the medicine wheel. We embraced Native American wisdom and um, used that as 
kind of our circle work. So that continues to be connection to the earth and to the beauty around, which gives me strength. Yeah. And friends, you know, friends, family. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are there any, do you still do any creative work on the side or write poetry or maybe <laughs> do you journal or something like that? I do journal. Good. <laughs> well, I, I, I've made some goals to get back into the etching studio. I've thought about doing a book related to this, but Some of my books took like a year of kind of creative thought and experimentation. So I don't have that amount of time. But yes, I need to get these hands uh, with some ink on them <laughs> or expression in some ways. It sounds like you yes. have, a, from what I read, like a historical place that people can actually visit and see the letterpress. Is that you still have yes. it? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I had I had two galleries along the way. I had one in the Bay Area. Um, that I started as a co-op and that went on for about 12 years, which is a long life for a gallery. And then when I came to Ashland, Oregon, where I live now, I brought my 2000 pound printing press <laughs> and, and my etching press and started a gallery here. And then uh, when I closed that so that I could do, I, I wanted to print in my pajamas. That was my goal that I would print at home. <laughs> so I brought the 2000 pound printing press to my new home. It hasn't seen much cranking since I started Vision Quilt, yeah. but it's calling. It's calling. Yeah. Maybe there is a way to combine some of the yeah. Vision Quilt stories and your personal creative work into some book yeah. or something I could always come up with a lot of ideas <laughs> well the you probably know the poet Niobe Shihab Nye um, yes she wrote a beautiful poem on kindness yes she and did. she came to Ashland we did a letterpress broadside in her honor and I asked her permission to uh, print the poem in honor of our vision quote work that we could give it to donors and things like that and mm -hmm. she granted us so I will be sending you this poem on <gasps> kindness. Oh, I love that <laughs> to poem. Thank you, to thank you for this uh, for this podcast, and oh. because that's how we try to honor the people who you know support our work. There's one generosity after another. One of the things that we've been doing during COVID for the Oakland community is we artists and other people have been making masks and we've been sending it to the homeless encampments and to the newly released people and we can't work in the schools but we can support people to stay safe and that's been very appreciative we've sent them to maybe 10 different organizations that are part of this Oakland frontline healers nice yeah I have to say one more partnership because they're part of this there's an organization called the San Francisco poster syndicate Mm -hmm. And they are a group of wild printmakers, so I honor their talent. And they silkscreen live on the street in normal conditions, posters. And so we were going to have this big exhibition with Amano where they were going to be printing things related to preventing gun violence. But now we're, we've met by Zoom, and one of them is helping to design door knockers about COVID safety. They're going to produce... 30,000 door knockers and distribute them to East and West Oakland, urging people to stay safe and wear masks and wash hands. Wow. So it's, 
you know, again, it's more breadcrumbs. It's a different kind of <laughs> breadcrumb, but that's how we can serve. And we're, I've involved students in this. So students are part of the design. You know, what, what can you do for a teenager who isn't going to wear a mask so that they understand that they, you know, don't want to harm their grandmother or their family members mm -hmm. or each other? Mm -hmm. um, so. <laughs> well, and I also, I love bringing voices like yours out partially also because I believe that there's so much more that all of us who are sitting at home right now and and don't dedicate ourselves to anything like you do we can contribute we can help there's ways to do and be step outside of ourselves a little bit because I think especially right now with people are at home our lives just revolve around here you know and at some point sometimes it gets too much for me it's like I wrote an episode yesterday I realized you know I used to go places to the gym to the coffee shop the store and now all of this is here my meeting at my friend's houses all of it happens right here at home so sometimes it's just like what else can I do I want to do something different and I believe I'm a strong believer that giving back is is how we can find more of us of who we are and it is so satisfying and fulfilling to not to have to worry about ourselves but actually worry about somebody else and help somebody else i want to bring these options out for people that's to show them that there are things they can do in different ways whatever like you said earlier whatever calls to them right and i think service is definitely the thing that helps us mentally yeah. you know We, we are sheltered in place, but if you know you're helping someone else, you know, by donating or by making a mask or by calling someone up to say, how are you? This is a wellness check. You know, I've right. been thinking about you, whatever it is. And, and we welcome that. I mean, there's just that's how we function. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of strength and a lot of joy, you know, and connection that heals people, literally. Of course. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing a great job of it with your, you know, with your podcasts. I mean, it's very, you know, we need to hear other people's voices. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, thank you so much, Kathy, for sharing your work and for doing what you do. Such an important work. And I hope we can support your work somehow and, um, and help this purpose that you involved in grow. So... So thank you. Well, thank you so well. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be tapped, and I I celebrate what you're doing. Thank you very much, and and thank you for inviting people into contacting us. You know, they can contact me at visionquilt at gmail .com. Very simple. Perfect. Or go to our website. Yeah. www.visionquilt.org. Yeah, and there's I will I will link to what you send me in the show notes too. So. Okay. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Thank you.